Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 138. And joining us in Studio C at MotorWeek Central today is our writer-producer, Brian Robinson. What's up, John? Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hello. Assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Hey, I'm trying to adjust my chair. It's not working. And our writer... Hope he gets comfortable. Patrick Lucas. Hey, everybody. And also the wow. <laughs> we were Let's talking about excited. we were talking about coffee before we went on. Sounds like you took it intravenously. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, we have our lightning <laughs> <the> new way. <laughs> Uh, it's a suppository. <laughs> we have our lightning round. That's uh, too much information. A viewer question and a rant and rave section. But first, we've got cars to get into. Uh, McLaren 570S. We just recently had the pleasure of having this uh, so-called entry-level McLaren at uh, Roebling Road in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, let's go around the table. What would you think of it? Uh, is it really an entry-level uh, supercar or entry-level anything? Who wants to start? Certainly the he cheapest. Always, Brian Robinson always Well, if wants I don't, start, then right? you look at me like, okay. start. Yeah, I think we, start. Are, I think we all just, <laughs> just sort of we, so, we, uh, uh, opt to you. Go all right. Ahead. Um, it's the cheapest McLaren that you can get. So if that's entry-level, sure. What is it price-wise? Um, one eighty, eighty something like yeah, that. One sixty yeah. chain. I don't remember exactly. Like, it's up there, but still, it's it's what seventy, at least seventy grand less than the next level. Anyway, uh, so what do you think of it? Part of their new sports series. I was pretty impressed with it. Uh, the engine is, is incredible. Um, I mean, launching that thing, Greg can probably touch on that more than me. But uh, and we had it at Roebling. Uh, it was fun on the track. It maybe wasn't nailed down as some other supercars, but uh, it was still. In that regard, it was maybe even more fun than a lot of them, just because it uh, got a little uh, got away from me a little bit. Do you think that's uh, only partially because the uh, aerodynamics are fixed? It doesn't have a movable wing or anything. Um, got a fixed wing? And, no, no, no. You just really, think it's no. the the way the car was tuned? Um, that yeah, I'm not really sure. You know, I'm not an engineer, but lack of super. And I haven't really driven the P1 or 650 on a mm-hmm. track, so I can't really compare it to them with the active aero. Do you have fun with it? Oh, absolutely. Greg? Yeah, I think um, as far as entry level goes, it might be even cooler than the actual supercars just because you do actually get a chance to drive it. It's something that you kind of have to master, and it's not driving for you. It's not like um, like a <clears throat> any of the Porsches, really. It's a pretty visceral experience, and to touch back Good on Good with, uh, yeah, I think uh, you were talking about I learned that word from you. <laughs> um, back to, uh, yeah, launching it. As long as you know what it means. Launching it's actually pretty cool. And it's McLaren, I think it's maybe built up a reputation as being like maybe one of like a nerdier person's car just because it's so technical. I think um, it's cool because for launch control, it's not just like pressing the brake and, and, uh, and then the accelerator. You actually have to go into a setting and then... It gives you instructions, mm-hmm. you know, press the brake, and then you have to wait to build boost while you're on the throttle. And then once you build the boost, there is still a little bit of a lag. It doesn't just, like, throw you off the line like a GTR yeah, would. It's very less than spectacular off the line. But once it does hit and once the turbos spool up, it, I mean, I finished the quarter mile, I think, at 133, and you get there fast. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely makes up for, uh, I mean, those first three couple feet off the line, it looks like a, a beetle, like an air-cooled beetle. Yeah. Just barely moving. <laughs> 
a unique shade of orange, too. Yeah, well, it's a really good-looking car, spectacular from all of our camera angles. I was it just kidding. Everyone I see is orange, and I really? hate Yeah, but they <laughs> have... That's McLaren have, orange. That's yeah. their color. But uh, they also have care. more than one orange. There's they like do. At least, yeah, like yeah. sunset yeah. orange or something like that. But the that one with is the metal McLaren flake. orange. Well, the one with the metal flake is not the... Well, when you show up McLaren. to a Cars and Coffee and there's two orange ones there, that's just too much <laughs> orange. You know what I mean? <laughs> Patrick, any comments? Um, I didn't push it on the track, but um, I drove it around the streets, and uh, my impression is a true track car. We keep saying entry level, because I guess that's the only way to describe it, yeah. but it is not comfortable to drive in. Uh, it's stiff and it's loud, um, but yeah, amazing. Did it get your Still adrenaline amazing. going, though? Oh, absolutely. I was, you know, half nervous, half, like, super excited just to drive it to the track on yeah. the streets, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite a piece of work. Definitely a supercar in the aspect that it's not comfortable to drive on a daily basis. <laughs> not at all. It's so got that therefore, definitely is entry level supercar. Let's turn then our to that's a good segue to the next car, which is probably uh, uh, almost the opposite of the McLaren 570s for about the same money. The Acura NSX, um, technically second generation of the car, it goes back to '91. Uh, I'm the only one at the table that's actually, I think, driven it. Is that right, I believe? True. Uh, but everybody's seen it, and it's been talked about for so long, it seems like it's one of those cars that you thought came out last year. Um, in general, I had a chance to drive it on the street and on the racetrack. If you like the initial in the first NSX in 91, which was billed then as, an inter- as a, a supercar that you could drive with everyday reliability that was loaded with technology and, frankly, was an easy car to drive. You will like this one. Uh, It does not have any rough edges. It has more technology on it than almost any car I've ever driven, uh, including, you know, a lot of electric help. It's got three electric motors, uh, one that uh, works with the twin-turbo V6 to take care of turbo lag that you were taking talking about with the 570s and two more one at each front wheel that actually help more in cornering than they do with with everything anything else and the simplest to use launch control on the planet you literally just hold the brake pedal down then hold the gas down and let off the brake and you go after you you have to do one setting on the dash my impression of it on the racetrack uh where i was probably the slowest guy out there (laughs) Um, was that this is a car that will do whatever you want it to do whenever you want it to do it. So it's very adaptable to the driver rather than the driver normally having to adapt to a supercar. Um, Comfortable on the street. Uh, The seats are comfortable, great visibility, all those things that we used to talk about, the original NSX. It's all there. The car has gotten panned by some because it wasn't, it didn't have all the rough, roaring edges of some of the, like a Lambo or a McLaren. But that's not, to me, that's not the point of the car. I think they did a good job. It took them a long time to do it, but we'll see. Any comments, though, from what you've seen and talked about it? I just have a question. Yep. Because I I went to the factory where they built it. Right. You just got back from that. Right. So I've seen it, and it looks amazing. And, um, a lot of the journalists who also went on that trip had also driven it, mm-hmm. like you, and uh, they were all saying really positive things. So, which the, all the initial press reports right. were pretty much negative. Um, my question is: It does zero to sixty in what two point eight yeah, seconds? Something like that, under three. Why would? And it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. One fifty to two o. One fifty three to two o three. Yeah. Why would you ever need to go faster than that and pay 
Four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars for a car. You sure you work for a car enthusiast <laughs> operation? <laughs> why would you need to pay this? I'm just, why I'm just a practical guy. Why, yeah, I mean, for that matter, <laughs> why do you need? Most people saying, would say, why go, do you need a three-second car? Right, exactly. So, if you could go two point eight seconds for yeah. two hundred thousand dollars, why would you do it for four hundred, five hundred? Probably comes down to exclusivity, doesn't it? I guess. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure why these cars sell half the time anyway. At that price range, you look at cars. Art as well. They so are yeah, art. true. But I mean, so the NSX that. is pretty amazing looking. Yeah, it is amazing looking. I don't think it's as um, uh, outrageous no, as some. But then again, but then again, it, that's the point. It's not supposed to. Did be. it strike you the same way that '91 did when you first saw it? Yeah, like uh, a toned down supercar that uh, you know you actually could drive every day. I used to always call it the doctor's supercar, and I think that that kind of moniker still fits yeah it really impressed me about the same way it's not nearly as outrageous it's easier to drive although most of the supercars today are pretty easy to drive uh, but a car that you could probably have a whole less lot capability in your own driving style and still survive in on a racetrack i mean the, the car <clears throat> frankly they showed us diagrams of what happens when you shut all the electronic aids off and in that case you were kind of off the track into the weeds so this car really saved your butt more than any, any car i think i've driven in a long time uh, i guess my one question would be um since it took so long to come out yeah. like you had mentioned do you feel like it was time well spent on their part like did it come yeah. out the best product they could make, or do you still think there were some things that they could have well, there's done all, better? There's always things you could improve, but my theory, and that's all it is, is that when they were designing the car and they were going to put basically a, a, another six-cylinder engine, much like the original car, they looked at what you know Porsche and Ferrari were doing and said they're all electrifying their cars to give them a lot more power and adding all these new features and they said you know we we can't do this we've got to stop and rethink this car and they did so when you compare this car to uh, a 458 Ferrari or a 918 uh, you can see that was what they they aimed at. They made it very clear they aimed it at a 458. And I think then they added a little extra technology to it, particularly in how they use the electric motors. And so I think they've they've given themselves a slight edge over I think the the more expensive rivals. But that won't last. I long. think the electric motors weren't from the beginning, but I think the uh, they changed it from transverse mounted V6 like the original one to longitudinal mounted like halfway through. The development cycle. They, I think they, that's didn't, what, they didn't make that clear. They made it out like that that was – they had rethought it that originally – I guess when – and I don't know what year they actually started doing it. That that was – the electric motors were, I think, a, a, a thought, but that, that the way – anyway, the way they're doing it now is much more expensive. Because to me, it's not all that different than the RLX Sport Hybrid. It's I, not. Right. Yeah, I don't think it system, is. It's basically the same system yeah, except it does – except it's got the um, – it's got three motors, three electric Which motors. So yeah. is, so that does too, yeah. 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 So, uh, and, they made, and they didn't make any particular bones about that. They, they said, you know, yeah, it's kind of the same basic concept. But they also, if, if they're to be believed, they did the develop, most of this development in about 18 months, which is pretty fast, including doing their own um, transmission. Uh, the uh, the DCT they had with it, the nine-speed, which is pretty impressive too. And that's a different gearbox. Is the three is the three point five liter the same three point five liter, or, or is it that they have and everything else, or is it? It's a, a modified version of it. Modified yeah. version. Yeah, it's got. I've forgotten what the extra bells and whistles, but yeah, it's basically the same. Um, 
if indeed they did throw the baby out with the bathwater and pretty much start from the beginning, like they said, they did a nice job. I don't know where – who knows what's next? I mean, this car will probably be around for a long time. Yeah, I mean, is it going to be one of those, like, trickle-down things where – Oh, know, I think that's true. Like, yeah. in a 918, yeah. it would trickle down eventually into a 911 and stuff. The, uh, the torque vectoring system they used for the front wheels, I mean, obviously, they would have to switch that around and probably use it on the rear wheels and some of the, or much of the rest of their product line. But I don't see why they couldn't do that or go with a full electric all-wheel drive system on their SUV. So I'm sure there's some trickle-down. The one thing that surprised me on the appearance – is that it doesn't sport any of the appearance of their new Precision concept, which is going to be their new face. And looking at the Precision, you're thinking, how could they adapt that to the NSX, I guess, at some mid-cycle time? And I guess I'm sure they probably will. But uh, So the car doesn't look like the the new face of Acura, mm-hmm. I guess. So. So we'll see. I don't. Uh, we'll see. I. I. They're only going to sell 500 in the U.S. this year, which I thought was a very low number. I don't know what the worldwide. I think 800. 800 yeah. Worldwide, yeah. 800 worldwide. Where? Uh, yeah, they're yeah. Build, they were building 800 yeah. at that facility. Yeah, so 800 region. worldwide, 500 in the U.S. That seems like a low number. Built so. in Ohio. Yep. Built in Ohio. That was the engine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on to uh, our next uh, point in our video. Um, a recap of the Geneva Motor Show. Was there anything there that struck your attention particularly that uh, you think is worthy to talk about? The um, I know a lot of people, obviously I wasn't there, but there's a lot of discussion over that Aston Martin DB11. I saw a lot of people debating whether it was a good-looking car or whether it was a bad-looking car. I personally think it looks fine. Th- Did they think it looked too big? Yeah, it, look, it does it look, huge. Kind of it looks huge. Yeah. I mean, it's a big car. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it looks fine. It doesn't look bad by any means. I think some people are a little bit harsh on that. But I also feel like some people just never want things to change. It could mm-hmm. always be like, you know, back to the original DB. So. You talking to me? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, kind of, yeah. it's like this, this DB5, I guess. Yeah. 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 Too soon. How about two 1,500-horsepower cars? The Bugatti the, and what yeah. was the second one? Um, but anyway, I mean, when everyone's one? talking about, uh, well, not everyone, but, you know, in an age of where fuel economy is somewhat conscious, the horsepower numbers keep getting ratcheted further and further up. Yeah, it was at 1478, I think I have written yeah. down here for the Bugatti. Bugatti. For the Bugatti. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. use any electric or anything, right? Whereas everybody else was going yeah. with the hybrid systems. Yeah. I think that just uses the W16 with I four turbos. That's right. Um, that's pretty monster pretty awesome. car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll never get to use that much power, though, mm-hmm. with all the nanny systems that they've got on there. I mean, I wonder how, if that's just a straight bench number. You know what I mean? I mean, when were well, you I'm ever sure somebody's put... took it out to a, some of the executives took it somewhere. To, to well, that's the it, first thing out. you'll say. So say you are a buyer of it. That's the first thing you'll say to somebody you, who asks about the car, right? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, or, you know, what, how much horsepower? 1,500 horsepower. How much have you ever used? Well, you can't exactly say that number, but I don't I don't know. I just you're, you're probably right. Nobody's ever going to use it. I mean, what's the top speed's like 261? Who in the world is ever going to find somewhere to do something like that? Yeah. Well, Zach could probably find a place. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he could. What about uh, other uh, 
uh, new cars there. I mean, Mercedes took the opportunity to bring out uh, more models of the new E-Class. And the C-Class. C-43, and the C-Class. Like a dumb, well, I don't want to say dumbed-down version, Whoa. but <laughs> a less intense <laughs> version of Ooh, the down. C-63. Mm. All sorts of stuff. Audi Q2, um, Hyundai Ionic. Yeah, Prius fighter. Was that Q2 coming here, or was that a Europe thing? I don't know. I mean, it would make sense. They have have been talking about the Q, you know, the Q2 coming here, but Mm -hmm. I don't think they've actually committed themselves yet. I have a feeling that with gas prices, they might wait for they pop back up. Such a a weird. I know it rhymes, but that just doesn't sound like. I wish they wouldn't have named it Q2. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it just has. It goes with. I know it does, but like. It just seems like they could have done something different or just not even done a Q2. Speaking speaking (laughs) Q-tip. So speaking of boxes, Volvo is actually going to take another stab at doing a station wagon, a big wagon, the V90. We've already had the S and the XE. It does does look uh, pretty good. 124 Spider Abarth, which will be pretty cool. Cool. So anyway, it, that show normally, I always say it's kind of like the Victoria's Secrets of uh, of auto Ooh. shows. I think it, it probably lived Scandals. up to its name this year. It was, it was a good show. Very yep. interesting show. Let's move on now to our lightning round. And um, our panelists have two minutes to debate uh, a trending automotive topics. And when the time is up, we will hear the bell. There's the bell. Okay, thank you, Patrick. Uh, here we go. Cadillac XT5, Genesis G90, Honda HRV, Infiniti Qs and QXs, Toyota CHR. Noticing a trend, are we exiting the era of named vehicles in place of alphanumeric ones? Audi, Mazda, BMW, Mercedes, plenty of others are doing it or have been doing it for years. Is this where every brand is going? Any comments? Uh, any brand that plans on selling things internationally is this because that's how it's yeah, internationally done. Right. We're the only ones that really grasp on the nameplates here in the U.S. And more and more, yeah, sales are being targeted uh, towards oh, a global. global. I had the yeah, I had that question in mind because you just came back from the what was it XT five, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, isn't that what they said the reason for? Yeah, actually, they actually the explained part of that in the um, in the briefing. They were just saying that names, while although they're near and dear to the heart of all Americans. They may mean something different in another yeah, language. They, they, they're, or dif- they're difficult to disease, to uh, to identify the hierarchy of vehicles overseas, right. where the name doesn't mean anything. And overseas, they want uh, you know just a XT5, for instance. And so you could do an so XT3 that way, you know, an XT7. XT7 is, yeah, yeah, it's it's just that's the way they they work over there. So why do you uh, think there's? Start, oh, oh, you, come on, guys. Why, why do you think they're getting away from it in like the U.S. though? Because I mean. Is it that much more money and time and effort to? I think the uh, luxury cars have been uh, cars that are high end have had this been going this trend for a long time. So if you want to sell something on the high end and say, "Hey, I'm in that game too," you go that direction, Uh, and then you've got that middle level of where people like you know Mazda think they're playing. Of course, Mazda's been doing it for a long time, but I think a lot of it is uh, followers. You know, we want to play in the Mercedes. um, BMW, Audi era, so we kind of go that way. Well, I think you, they probably couldn't get away with it a couple of years ago, maybe a decade or so ago, just because I know from experience, and I'm a younger person, so I don't remember a, a lot of the older names, but a person like my dad who can't keep the new car straight. So, like, if they were selling to his age bracket more right. so now than someone to, ma- to to my age, you know, it would make a big difference because they actually couldn't 
determine what car was which, whereas now they're selling to people like Patrick and myself and maybe just a little bit older, and we don't have the same connection you don't find to those. It, you don't find I, Mercedes and BMWs all there, that any of that's confusing? Oh, I do. I Mercedes, do. I, I think, is very confusing. And I understand it, and I still think it's, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But I'm just trying to say, mm-hmm. you know, it's not as big of a deal for them to have to sell them. You know, they're catering to us, not over It seems people. like that they're saying there'll be less um, – Less name, not brand, but name recognition. I mean, that can cut both ways. Some name that was popular, say, with my generation might be looked about by your your generation as being such an antique. So if they use it again, from case in point, uh, Chrysler, no more town and country in Dodge Grand Caravan. Now it's the Pacifica. Whether that was a good name or not, they're trying to say, hey, we're not yesterday's news. Yeah, I mean, that goes all the way back to the Acura legend. I remember all the... Mm-hmm. Hubbub when that they got rid of the legend name because they wanted everyone to associate that car with Acura, not with the name Legend. Yeah, I don't Go think ahead. I don't think for instance Honda or there's a lot of manufacturers that will never uh, leave their name system because names have been in place for so long. Like yeah. I could imagine the Civic ever becoming alpha, alphanumeric, but mm-hmm. definitely I can see it in new models dropping and why they don't have names. Yeah, I can't see like Didn't Chevrolet or Taurus Ford tried it yeah. with the Taurus for a while. Yeah. The 500. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks, guys. That was a very good um, it's three minutes. lightning it's round. Three long. minutes, not too two long. minutes. He's too long. Well, you right. were the one that was supposed to ring the bell. I two did. Well, he yeah, did, and we just fastest. kept going. Yeah, you know, it's just round. like a presidential a debate. Uh, you know, it's, it's, like, no it's different. like an Oscar. Uh, let's talk about a viewer question. Um, Sotos asks. I don't know if Sotos is a first name or a last name. I believe it's his first name. First name. I own a 1998 Toyota Tacoma truck. I use it for utility duties only. Only. I would like to buy a full-size Toyota or a domestic, but the beds are so high in modern trucks. Is there a functional advantage as far as payloads go? Is this a trend, or is the reasoning marketing-based with larger wheels and higher stance selling better for aesthetics? In my experience, a bed floor above my waist level is a disadvantage to quickly load and unload if you're not willing to use a forklift. Robinson, you should grab a beer with this guy. After, after <laughs> this. Like, the beds are too dang high. <laughs> I, I they don't took dis- our jobs. I don't disagree with him. I mean, if I, you know, I'm six foot tall. If I can't reach over the side rails and touch the bed when I want to load something, that's a disadvantage. And you can't do that hardly. Anymore. Well, it's just everything's getting bigger and bigger, and that's just the what happens. But I would say get two wheel drive instead of four wheel drive because uh, generally the two wheel drives have a little lower. Yeah, different suspension. They sit lower, but then the new Tacoma has the same ride height, whether you get two or four. So even they're getting away from that. Huh? The uh, the only new uh, pickup truck that looks like it's got a reasonable bed height is the new Honda Ridgeline. I was just going to say, you Ridgeline. can argue whether that's a pickup truck or not. Right. I think it's more of a pickup now than it was before. At least yeah. they made it look like. It. But if I mean, I guess to answer his question, is there an actual functional advantage? I mean, is it there a reason for it? Or is yeah, it just right. aesthetic? Do we just like? Taller trucks now? Or? Well, you can give yourself more wheel travel, probably. That's, so which would, argue which would yeah. yield a bigger payload, too, yeah. bed payload. But it's probably yeah. just because he wants to, they want to look tough. Yeah, they're making them bigger and yeah, more guess, capable. And that's probably why SUVs took off, because they still have the super low loading floor, and they still have mm, that you know, depends, enough really. Some of them, yeah, Tahoe some doesn't some anymore. Do. Yeah. Get yourself a minivan. But Sotos, it seems to be, I think our feeling is that there may be a, a small practical advantage, but most of it is just the trend to the market. Everybody wants it to be a bigger and Big tough guy. Big, Big tough yeah. guy. There's room for a El Camino kind of vehicle. I think so, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, and also there's all those uh, little uh, 
smaller utility vans coming out now. Mm-hmm. Stuff yeah. like that, that's super low load floor. You can just walk stuff in. I don't know if he's looking for something used or new, but that. I mean, you can't exi- you can't dump a load of dirt in it, but if or, but as far as loading bags of stuff, yeah. sure, you could just put some lowering bro- blocks on a. Tacoma or something. Slam it. Slam, slam it. it. <laughs> there you go. Pretty Maybe cool. that's your answer. Take that 98 Tacoma and slam Airbags. it down. Okay. Uh, rants and raves. Anything got something they want to get off their chest or any other part of their body? Yeah. I don't need to. I'm not going to rant this time. I feel like I keep bringing the room down. You're an angry person. That's why. Yeah. But I'm, tra- I'm trying like to something, something from Brian. So Come on. Drop something. Right? Brian, Brian keeps all his rants nothing. and raves. He would rant yeah. about all of He us. only rants and raves when he. Never mind. There's he a treasure up. trove of rants in there. <laughs> Come on, Brian. Pull one out. I got nothing, man. You used to complain that. about following my wife down uh, the road to work. <laughs> I think we've all been down that road she, already. She never got above the speed limit. Yeah, she's a uh, very safe driver. Yeah. I have no problems with that. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, I got nothing. Just don't borrow you this up. guy's staple. Patrick? No, I'm, I'm good. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's so I happy. Was, well, I was I just going to rave about something. something. All right, rave about something. Oh. Because of, uh, I don't know, I kind of was driving and looking at things through like a wide-angle lens and uh, getting very <laughs> contemplative Whoa. and uh, reflective. But, no, just the idea of um, – where we've come in, in audio in cars now. Just how, how cool is it that you can just get into a car with your phone in your pocket and all you got to do is just turn up the radio and you listen to anything that you just downloaded on your phone. And then not to mention you're, you're listening to the sometimes 20 speaker systems in a, a true car. Story. I mean, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. While it might be really taxing the aftermarket audio uh, uh, business, it has made it, – it's remarkable. I just put a uh, – Double din stereo in my stepdaughter's Honda. Paid a hundred dollars for this JVC wow. unit with Bluetooth, and it's got a, a phone compatibility. Oh, it's a hundred bucks. Is, yeah, <laughs> Just a wonderful ridiculous. time to be alive. CarPlay and Android Auto, like they're catering to making everything super Seamless. easy and like from yeah. the get go. Like you don't even need to Finally. go aftermarket. I think that's actually it's yeah. taken a while, but I, yeah. it's like I think that's great. A lot I mean, of the vehicles you couldn't go aftermarket, yeah. and you're stuck with yeah. what you get with whatever weird shaped radio yeah. they put in yeah. the dash. Like all the security systems and stuff is integrated all going through climate. The radio. Yeah. yeah, and then to that point of uh, you know all the speakers and stuff, uh, it wasn't that long ago, maybe 20 years ago. You know, cars were fully developed, and then they put radios in them. Now, uh, all the aftermarket, like Bose people and all that, they're in the, involved in the development of cars from the get-go. Right. With, you know, tuning them acoustically. And, you got Harman uh, Kardon yeah. and all, yeah. the all those dudes. In it. I like Bang & Olufsen the best, personally. They do Ooh. have a very, very nice <laughs> It's system. it's fun to drive down the highway and have so many choices. For and it to satellite to. radio. I mean, come on. Yeah, no. uh, commercialist radio. What and it goes from coast to coast. <laughs> I am so happy I live now. And not <laughs> not when we just had AMs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Okay, that was a good one to end on. Thanks very much, everybody. Our Motor Week podcast number one hundred thirty-eight comes to the close. I want to thank our writer producer Brian Robinson. Road Test Producer Ben Davis, Assistant Producer Greg Carlos, Writer Patrick Lucas, who's also the producer of the podcast and the man with the bell, our audio engineer Jim Bigwood, and our podcast uh, creator Bob Mixter. Thanks to all of you for listening to our podcast. We hope you catch Motor Week on public television stations everywhere, (laughs) also on the Velocity Cable Channel. John Davis, for all of us at Motor Week, thanks for watching and listening, and we hope we'll see you soon one way or another. At MotorWeek. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. 
MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station. <laughs>